Chapter Fourteen of the Three Mulla Mulgars. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Three Mulla Mulgars by Walter de la Mare. Chapter Fourteen. Next day, the travellers were about very early, combing and grooming themselves in the dawn mist for the first time these many days and before the sun had shot his first colours across arakaboa they had eaten and drunk and set out from the valley of the languid and luscious fruits that had been the chief cause of all their folly they pushed up the valley searching anxiously the hillsides for sign of any track or path by which they might ascend the day was crisp and golden with sunlight and that evening they made their night quarters beside a vast frozen pool in a kind of cup of the overhanging cliffs here every word they said came hollowly back in echo they cried selim 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 replied the mocking voices umani neta still we go on shouted thumb hoarsely neta neta on 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 sang echo hoarselier yet wind had swept clean the glassy floor in its black lustre gleamed the increasing moon and after dark had fallen mists arose and trailed in moonlit beauty across the granite escarpments of the hills so that night the travellers lay in a vast tent of lovely solitude with only the strange noises of the ice and the whispering of the frost to tell poor wakeful nod he was anything more than a little mulgar in a dream next morning early they met one of those crack-brained mo-mulgars that wander eat sleep live and die alone having broken away from all traffic in company with their friends and kinsmen he wore about his neck a double coiled necklet of little bones and wound round his middle a plate of cullum he was dirty bowed and matted and his eyes were glazed as he lifted them into the sunlight in answer to thumb's shout tell us o mo mulgar we beseech you how shall three travellers to the kingdom of assasemen find a pathway across these hills the mo mulgar lifted both gnarled hands above his head gegusla nunuma kalmetama replied a thick half-brutal voice what does he say wondering to see him wave his spotted arms as he wagged his crazy head well says thumb what he says is this death's at the end of all paths thimble coughed so it is he said solemnly ay said thumb but what i was asking was the longest way round a track a path to the beauty valleys of tishnar he shouted across to the solitary momulgar sorrowfully he waved his bony arms about his head and stooped again came back his dismal answer thimble with a sign to him laid gravely down a little heap of nuts in the snow and the three travellers left the old pilgrim still standing desolate and unquestionable in the snow watching them till they were gone out of sight coming presently after some trees with tough straight branches the travellers made themselves fresh cudgels after which to raise their fallen spirits they played hop-pole a while in the sunshine just as they used to in the first days of the snow before they set out on their travels and about noon when the sun stood radiant above them they met three men of the mountains with shallow baskets on their heads coming down to gather ukka nuts in the valley these mulgars have long silken black and white hair and very profuse whiskers they are sad in face with pouting lips have but the meanest of thumbs and turn their toes in as they walk one behind another and sometimes in chains of a hundred together 
Thumb stood in their path, and inquired of the first of them as before, which way they must follow to cross the mountains. The voice of the man of the mountains who answered them was so high and weak Nod could scarcely hear his whisper. "'There is no way over,' he said. "'But over we must go,' said Thumb. The other shook his head and looked sadder than ever, and on they all three went again, lisping softly together, but without another word to Thumb. "'What's to be done now?' said Nod. "'Where they came down we must go up,' said Thumb. So the men of the mountains, being now hidden from sight by the rocks below, Thumb and his brothers turned up the narrow track between great boulders of stone by which they had come down, and glad they were of the new staves or cudgels they had broken off. Even with the help of these, so steep was the path that they had often to pull themselves up by roots and jutting rocks, and gradually, besides being steep, the way grew so narrow that they were simply walking on a ledge of rock not more than two mulgar paces wide, and for giddiness Nod nearly fell flat when by chance he turned his eyes and looked down to where, far below, a frozen torrent gleamed faintly amid huge boulders that looked from this height no bigger than pebble-stones. It made him giddy even to keep his eyes fixed on the narrowing path before him, and shuffle up, up, up. Suddenly Thumb, who was wheezing and panting a few paces in front, came to a standstill. "'What is it, Thumb?' said Nod. "'Why do you stop, Nod?' said Thimble, who was last of all. "'Look, look!' said Thumb. They slowly raised their eyes, and not a hundred paces beyond them, on the same narrow ledge of rock against the deep blue sky, came slowly winding down thirty at least of these same meagre and hairy men of the mountains, a few with long staves in their hands, and every one with his long tufted tail over his shoulder, and a round shallow basket on his head. These men of the mountains have very weak eyes and it was not until they came close that they perceived the three travellers standing on their mountain path. The first stopped, then he that was next, and so on, until they looked like a long black-and-white caterpillar clinging to the precipice with tiny tufts waving in the air. Thumb raised his hands as if in peace. "'We are, sirs, stranger to these rocks and hills. After the shade of Munza, our eyes dizzy with the heights, and we walk, journeying to the courts of Assasimmon, in great danger of falling. How, then, shall we pass by? They heard a faint, shrill whispering all along the hairy row. Then the first of the men of the mountains came quite close, and told the three brothers to lie down flat on their faces, and he and his thirty would all walk gently over them. But to go on has no end, he said, and the travellers had better far turn back. At this thumb grew angry. What does the old grey beard mean? He coughed out of the corner of his mouth. Mala Mulgar stoop on their faces to no one. Do you lie down on yours? The old mountain Mulgar blinked. We are thirty, you are three, he said. Thumb laughed. We are strangers to Arakaboa, O man of the mountains, and we fear to lie down, lest we never rise up again. At this civil speech the old Mulgar went shuffling back to the others. And to Nod's astonishment he presently saw him take his long staff of tough sinewy wood and thrust it into a little crevice of the rock, even with the path, so that about a third of its length overhung the precipice. Meanwhile another of these mountain mulgars had in the same way thrust his staff into the rock a little farther down. The first man of the mountains, who was, perhaps by half a span, taller than the rest, took firm hold of the end of his staff with his long-fingered but almost thumbless hands, and lightly swung himself down over the precipice. 
the next scrambled down over his shoulders until he swung by his leader's heels the next followed and so on three such mulgar strings presently hung down from their staves over the abyss and there being thirty men of the mountains in all each string consisted of ten for this reason some called these mountain mulgars caterpillar or ladder mulgars when they were all thus quietly dangling their leader bade thumb advance stepping warily over the little heaps of baskets this the brothers did but as nod passed each string in turn and saw it swinging softly over the sheer precipice and all the ten faces with pale eyes blinking sadly up at him out of their fluff of hair he thought he should certainly be toppled over and dashed to pieces at last however all three were safely passed by but the rocky ledge was here so narrow that thimble could not even turn himself about to thank the mountain mulgars for their courtesy nor to watch them climb back one by one to their mountain path again on and on up ever up climbed the ribbon-like path winding about the granite flanks of cush once nod lifted up his face and saw in one swift glimpse the glittering peaks and crest of the mountains rising in beauty crowned with snow out of the vast sun-shafted precipices he hastily shut his eyes and his knees trembled but there could be no turning back now he followed on close behind his fat panting brother until suddenly thumb left back to a standstill shouting in a voice of fear oh ho ho illa ulla illa ulla oh ho ho oh thumb why do you call ho like that said nod anxiously back back thumb cried do steep of dats nod stooped low on the smooth rock and under the tatters of thumb's metal-hooked coat stared out between his brother's bandy legs he simply looked out of that hairy window straight into the empty air they stood like peering cormorants at the cliff's edge the path had come to an end thumb whined softly and coughed and a faint stream rose up from his body we must go back he barked huskily yes brother said thimble softly but i cannot go back if i turn down i go but if you too can turn down go will i tishnar oh tishnar cried nod in terror the hills are dancing softly child said thumb it is only your giddy eyes rolling what's more he said pretending to laugh those old hairy men of the mountains even if only miramuts must have come from somewhere where they came from we can go to oh and a ho he called why do you call a ho thumb whispered nod with tight shut eyes both together thimbula muttered thumb a ho a ho a ho they bawled their voices sounded small and far away only a bird screamed in answer from the chasm beneath the sun blazed shadowlessly over the peak of cush upon the three mulgars standing motionless pressed close against the steaming rock to nod the minutes crawled like hours while he crouched sick and trembling clutching thumb's rags to keep him from falling thimble my brother at last called thumb softly could you if little nod twisted himself round straddle your legs enough to let him creep through we old gluttonous fellows were never meant for mountain climbing and standing here over the great misty pot but just then it seemed to thumb he felt light as the wind something softly pluck at his wool hat very very slowly and without a word he lifted his head and looked up looked straight up into the sorrowful hairy face of a man of the mountains dangling the last of a long chain 
from a rocky parapet above. "'Why?' says Thumb, looking into his face. "'What then?' "'Up, up!' said he in a thin, lisping Munza tongue, making a step or loop of his long-fringed arms. This, then, was the stairs or ladder on which the travellers must climb into safety. But Thumb could barely touch him with the tips of his fingers. He stood in doubt, staring up, and presently, down that living rope of Mulgars, yet another man of the mountains softly descended, and his arms just reached Thumb's elbows. "'Tread gently, Mala Mulgar,' said this last with a doleful smile. "'You are fat, and our bladder is slender.' Thumb, with one white, dog-like glance into the deeps, took firm hold, and slowly, heavily, he climbed on from trembling Mulgar to trembling Mulgar, till at length he reached the top. "'Now, Nizaneela,' said the last man of the mountains, "'it is your turn.' Up clambered Nod after Thumb, groping carefully with the palms of his feet from hairy loop to loop. But he was glad that the men of the mountains, as their custom generally is, dangled with their faces to the rock, and could not see into his eyes. At last all three were safely up, and found themselves on a wide, smooth, shelving ledge of the mountain, about fifty mulgar paces wide, with here and there a tree or tuft of grass, and to the right a cascade of ice, roped with icicles, streaming from the heights above. But what most Nod blinked in wonder at were the small white mushroom houses of these mountain mulgars. More of a hundred of them were here, standing like snow-white beehives in the glare of the sun, each with its low round door, from which, here and there, a baby mulgar, with short fleecy and cane-coloured whiskers, stood on its spores, peeping at the strangers. When they were all three safely landed, one of the men of the mountains led them between the beehive houses to a cool, shadowy cavern in the mountainside. There he bade them sit down, while others brought them a kind of thin, sour cheese and a mess of crushed and mouldy aconuts. For these Arakaboan mulgars will not so much as look at a nut fresh and crisp. It must be green and furred to please their taste. And while the travellers sat nibbling, a little meanly of the nuts and cheese, Thumb told the men of the mountains as best he could, in the Munza tongue, who they were, and why they were come wandering in Arakaboa. When Thumb in his talk made mention of the name of Tishnar, the mountain mulgars that sat round them in a circle bobbed low, till the hair of their faces touched the cavern floor. "'The valleys of Assasimmon lie far from here,' said the first mountain mulgar in a shrill, thin voice, "'and the men of the mountains walk no mountain paths beyond the peak of Zut, nor have we ever dangled our ropes into the Amma's groves of Tishnar. I do not even know the way thither.' It would have been go thin and come back fat, O Mulla Mulgars, if I did. Rest and sleep now, travellers. We will bring you to the Mulla Muna Mulgar. That is lord or captain. Of Gush, when he awakes from his glare. This glare, or shine, is the name of the mountain Mulgars. Give to the sleep they take in the middle of the day. Some little while before no shadow, as they call it, or noonday, they creep into their mushroom houses, and sleep till evening begins to settle. So weak their eyes become, or are by nature, that they rarely venture out by day to go nut-gathering in the valleys. And often then, even, many go bandaged, keeping touch merely with their tails. 
it was in the midst of this noonday sleep or glare that the travellers had roused them with their halloo at evening they awake and when the moon is clear their ladders may be seen near and far drooping over the precipices and they go walking with soft shambling steps from ledge to ledge even the least of them have no fear of any height their children of an evening will sit and eat their suppers their spindle legs dangling over a depth so extreme that no munza mulgar could see to the bottom left alone the mulla mulgars who had been climbing many hours now and felt stiff in legs and back were glad to roll themselves over in the fleeless sand of the cavern and soon were all three asleep end of chapter fourteen